Welcome to Gagliardi's Got Real Estate podcast, hosted by myself, Gerald Sabri, and Rocky Gagliardi. We look forward to bringing you something fresh, something new the Golden Valley hasn't seen before. More informative information. We've got special guests, hot topics. Make sure you follow on your preferred podcast platform, GSRE Socials. We hope you enjoy this episode. G'day all, Rocky here, Gagliardi Scott Real Estate, and thank you for joining us on another wonderful episode of uh, our podcast um, series. We've got two fantastic guests specialising in accounting and what how tax and, and accounting relates to real estate and all your real estate needs, and I'm sure a lot of your mum and dads out there would be keen to, to listen to, um, you know, get some tips and so forth, um, as well as all your commercial clients are looking for um, investing into the marketplace. With me joins me Brian Thompson. Brian, welcome. And Good Adrian morning, Rocky. Hey, Rocky. How are you? Good. Mm-hmm. Brian, first, you just introduce yourself, a bit about yourself, your expertise, um, your company you represent, so we, the audience know who you are. And Yeah, thanks, Rocky. Well, Lou Perter and I um, created Perter Thompson Partners just shy of 20 years ago. So since then, we've grown into four offices, one up in Cobram, one in uh, Shepparton, of course, our main office, down in Melbourne and Geelong. And over that time, I suppose we've really just specialised helping clients and our tagline is creating dreams worth fighting for and really just trying to get to where it is they want to be. And so um, obviously we do the accounting, the compliance, wealth creation, advisory, bookkeeping, all the things that, well, to put it quite simply, just to help them get from A to B. Yep. And it's not just about them, but, yeah, the team as well. Very good. Adrian? I'm a director at MB&M, uh, another local accounting and financial planning firm. Um, we've got um, a team of 50 um, and specialising in um, your business needs, tax compliance, advice, uh, wealth creation, um, retirement planning, Centrelink, all that type of thing as well. The biggest topic I come across when it, it comes to real estate, and you know, you, you know, obviously we do with mum and dads every day, or people looking to get in the marketplace. A lot of the questions surrounds you know, capital gains. Not everyone understands it quite, um, quite well. But um, maybe Adrian, run us through what the simple, you know, basic uh, capital gains and how it affects, and obviously the benefits and not benefits, and yep. when you should uh, <laughs> utilise it, when you shouldn't, go for it. Yeah. So. It- Simply, capital gains is um, obviously what you sell for, deduct what you bought it for, and you've got your capital gain. There's some adjustments that you make um, along the way for other expenses you might have incurred. Um, So that will give you your capital gain. Uh, Generally, mum and dad, um, if you've owned it for over 12 months, then you'll get a 50% discount on that. Um, So if you've got a $100,000 gain, you'll pay tax on $50,000 yeah. um, of that capital gain, essentially. Yeah. So, Brian, when I, got a lot of, I had a call the other day from a lady who was looking to sell her property, her and her brother together, you know, property, and he's retiring next year. She's a pensioner, not sort of relying on benefits, and they've inherited the family home, but obviously a certain time they've got a, um, a capital gains issue. And I'm not an accountant, but I was just giving her my advice. So bring an accountant, whatever you do. But but I don't know if you're going to be that affected because your income's not that great. Um, so that 50% that Adrian hit on, say you've got your 50% discount, but you have got 50%, you still got a claim. How how would that affect someone who's on a low income compared to someone who's on a high income? Can, can you, what am I, I suppose what I'm trying to get to is, can you write that off too, instead of being affected totally, pay 50% off? Yeah, look, um, 
That's a fairly lengthy question yeah, there, sorry, Rocky, right. with a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> angles in it. Possibly, and, and, pick and, a couple uh, angles. <laughs> and it is tricky because uh, on part of that, we start talking about a low income and maybe yeah. some Centrelink benefits yes. as a result. That's right. So Centrelink treat these things differently to the tax office. Mm. So it's actually two things, different things yes. we end up looking at. So at the end of the day, from the tax point, like Adrian said, the uh, there's a certain amount that's non-taxable, <coughs> which disappears. But on the Centrelink side, it's that whole lot of money that comes in will get counted as an asset. Yeah. And they will obviously be tested on the assets test or income test, really depending on what kind of payment they're on. Yeah. So it is always tricky to try and assume what might happen there. If there's a split between her and her brother, I think you mentioned, that could be helping to keep the income lower. Yeah. Um, but it could just be that they end up getting reduced Centrelink payments and maybe possibly not even pay too much tax because they are on a low income. Yeah. By the time they split that capital gain in two, and it might only be 20000 yeah. to one person, if they've got no real other income, they could be non-taxable. Yeah. But there's obviously some settling comes yeah. into play. But in all those, it is, you're right, Rocky, it's a... Call the accountant. Always, yeah. Gather some data yeah. and try and make some assessments and decisions. Yeah, because they're always talking to their neighbour or their best mate or someone. They're always giving advice. We're the same in our exactly. industry, you know. But the most important is after you own it for 12 months, um, it's a 50%. So you don't get tax on 50%. That's yep. But if you sell it before the 12 months, that's be important about that. Yep. You're going to get tax on the whole 100%. Absolutely. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. So that's important yes. um, yep. for the audience to know that, that yep. you sell it within 12 months. And then... I suppose leading into that, when is it defined, the 12 months? Is it? That's a big question I have fought with, with accountants compared to lawyers and so forth. My understanding is when someone signs a contract and exchanges unconditionally, not the settlement, which is completely different, that's when the tax office looks at it. Is that right, Brian? That's my my understanding as yeah. well, Rocky. In, in 99% yeah. of the occasions, you can go with that, that it is just the signing of the contract, yeah. nothing to do with settlement. Yeah, so, so we explain the settlement. So if I come to you, Adrian, got a contract, signed, exchanged it. Now, is it unconditional or is it just when it's exchanged? Just when it's signed. It's just when yep. it's signed. Even so, not even the conditions it becomes right yep. because the tax office then. Yeah, so that's interesting. You know how that works because I don't think the common person or the layman out there doesn't understand that. Like I think it's oh, I got a settlement this day. Absolutely. And that's it, and it's, yep. uh, that's no, it doesn't work that absolutely. way. So that's important. Common so, discussion uh, with clients, isn't oh, it? Very yeah. much so because it, it is that when <laughs> you're yeah. asking a client now, mm. when did that sell? Yeah. They're thinking, when did I get the money? Correct. Uh, it sold next year or yes. last year and yeah. you get you get a contract and all of a sudden no it didn't work that way yeah. and all the numbers change yeah. so it's it's always collect the data which generally isn't just a conversation with a client that gives you where you want to chase the formal documentation yeah. from solicitors or yeah. whoever's got it yeah because not many people realize it's a tax office that constitute a contract signing is the legal sale of the property not the settlement yes yeah adrian Mum and dad buy an investment property. What are the depreciations that people use? You always hear about depreciation, and you know, or they, they buy something or look at buying something, and they go, "Oh, my accountant's asked to, you know, we need to send a depreciation list or, or whatever." Yep. Talk us through that and how that benefits a potential investor to in a marketplace when they buy an investment property. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I think we're going to say this a lot. It's good to talk to your accountant yeah, and work yeah, out yeah, whether definitely. it's actually going to benefit you to to get the depreciation schedule because they can be costly to yeah. go out and get one done. Um, but basically, if your property is a new property, um, then you'd want to go and have a look at that and it will split your um, 
property essentially up into two aspects. One which is your capital works, which is your your house, any renovations that were done, um, the build costs, and then you've got your plant and equipment on the property. So um, the dishwasher, the curtains, that type of thing that can be removed um, from the property easily. Um, and it will split up the depreciation and the relevant rates for you. Yeah. Um, but definitely need to talk to your accountant and work yeah. out, is it going to be worth me getting this done? Yeah, so yeah. walk me through that, Brian. How would that be worth someone to do that? Well, if I was to buy an investment property, why would it be worth me to get that depreciation? Or why wouldn't it be worth me, I suppose, is the other question. Yeah, so depreciation is a good one, Rocky, because it's, it's a deduction that you're not physically handing out cash mm. for, mm -hmm. like when we talk about rents or repairs. The cash we've paid is when we bought the property itself, mm -hmm. which we can't write off. So we look for depreciation. So in the building depreciation write-off, there could be 40 years' worth of depreciation right. for the building and the property. So And that's whether it's second-hand or not. So mm -hmm. the newer the property, as Adrian said, mm -hmm. the more likely there's some good deductions in that. Mm. So you want to go to a quantity surveyor. There's a number of reputable ones out there and um, get that report, which then we can rely on in the case of an audit, the ATO. Yeah. We'll use those as well. Yeah. But, yeah, that depreciation is just something you're going to claim every year that I'm not physically handing out money for, so it helps me with my tax refund or yeah, reducing the more, amount of tax that I pay. Yeah, that's the key thing here to, yes. to the, the person. It helps with their tax, so they're paying less tax. Absolutely. So it is important to talk to your accountant and make sure if you're involved, you can get that tax depreciation because I don't think a lot of investors out there do it, you know, and unless they come and see you and do, do tax time. They probably missed a couple of years or a year to, year's worth. A lot of them, you know, don't actually do their taxes or do it themselves at home, whatever. So yep. it makes it very difficult to claim those, those situations. Yep. All right, so I'm buying an investment property. I ring you and I'm asking you, I need to put it Adrian, or I what name do I put it in? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because it could be my personal name. All those simple questions. Yeah. 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 A lot of yeah. tricky ones that I get every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. The, probably the two most common one is your individual name or in a partnership with your husband, your wife, yeah. um, someone like that. Um, and then there's your family trust that um, people tend to invest through as well. Bit of a difference with the family trust if you're in investing in your individual name and you're negatively gearing it, so you've got a loan against the property, say, then you can claim that loss in your individual names. If you invest it through a family trust, then the losses can't be distributed. Yeah. So it kind of quarantines that loss yeah. um, in the family trust. Family trusts have other benefits um, with asset protection and tax planning um, strategies, investment planning, uh, sorry, estate planning as well. So all of that can outweigh the benefits yeah. of being in the individual name. Yeah. Um, but again... <laughs> Talk to your cat. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> Personal situation definitely yeah. depends on a bit. Yeah. yeah. And it's very tricky with mm. that, isn't it, Adrian? Because it's the life the life cycle of the asset itself. Yeah. So it can go mm. from I'd like to have it in the wife's name for the first 10 years, then maybe the husband's for the next 10. Yeah. But, oh, it'd be great if it was in a family trust for the last 10. <laughs> so you're really trying to decide from there. And yes. So it's those discussions that yeah. try to find out, well, what are you going to do with this property in the long term? Yeah, yeah, mm. that's a good conversation to have at the start. So, Adrian, you touched on a bit of um, on the other questions that I get alluded Sorry. to every day, which was good. No, that's good. Um, people don't understand, a lot of people don't understand what negative gearing and positive gearing is. And here, in, you know, when you're talking out there in the politics and, you know, I think when Short went to the, his election, it was a bit of a big topic then and, and so forth. Um, 
go through what negative gearing and positive gearing is and for the, for the client, that's a simple one, but not everyone gets it. Yeah, sure. It. Yeah. Yep. So um, negatively gearing would be when you've purchased a property, you're renting it out, but the deductions that you're not the expenses because your loan repayments aren't an expense, um, but the tax deductions that you're paying out for um, are more than the rent that you're receiving in, yeah. essentially. Positive gearing is when they're not higher when the yeah. income's higher um, yeah. the negative gearing is uh, generally looked at um, to be quite a tax advantage because it obviously reduces that taxable income that yeah. um, people have and gets them that higher refund at yeah. the end of the day so that's just on the interest side not the principal or on the loan is that right correct the yeah. principal of the loan is just a repayment there so it's only the interest that's tax deductible I do a lot of in commercial real estate, um, and that this doesn't mean, you know, I think residential clients as well, mum and dad's is important, but I don't think a lot of um, clients out there realise how underutilised their super funds are, you know, and what their savings are and in their accounts and how they can actually utilise it. A lot of people just think it's sitting there, when I retire, I'm going to grab it. But it actually can do a lot more than that, am I right? In the sense of saying that, you know, if you've got 200 grand in your bank, um, for example, save between you and your wife or partner. Um, what's the best way to utilise that? Can, can you can you borrow against that or can you buy something with that? What do you need to do to, to get to that next stage, Brian, like to, to actually utilise that, that money that's sitting there? No, you're correct, Rocky. A lot of people don't don't look at superannuation and think that it's an asset as such. It's just something that we call superannuation and it goes up and down. Yeah. And at times we're happy with it and at times we're not. But when we really drill down and we look at the use of, say, a self-managed superannuation fund, that's when you can move money across from a retail fund, have it in a self-managed super fund, and you can essentially have more control on it. So mm. you could go and buy a commercial property or a residential mm. property. Lots of rules around this. Yeah. It's not that straightforward, but you can go and own that property. As many investors are bricks and mortar type people, they yes. feel comfortable in that versus it being in a share market or a managed fund or treasury bonds or a term mm. deposit, that sort of thing. Yeah. They like their bricks and mortar. So it gives them the ability to use that super that they've been saving up to put towards retirement to actually invest in a property that hopefully then will also work towards their retirement. Yeah. But yes, just mindful that there's a lot of rules around it, but superannuation funds can certainly be used to buy property. Yeah. Uh, and they can be used to borrow to buy property as well. But once again, it's not as straightforward. Um, I'll let Adrian talk about the costs of putting all those together. Yeah. But it's, it's certainly something that when it first came out, 15 years ago, it was really exciting for everyone yeah. and super funds took off. These days, because of the complexity, the compliance, the cost, there's probably not as many happening in that space. Yeah. So still a few, but yeah, certainly worthwhile if people do like property, especially related to your business, that kind of thing, yeah. a good way to get in and buy good investments to work for your future yeah. retirement. Yeah, it's interesting, the rules, Adrian, on, on borrowing on super. I have a lot of commercial clients that um, they don't get this, but they the super funds aren't allowed to borrow on buying just a block of land, vacant land, and then the bill, yep. they won't allow that. Yep. Am I right in saying that? So, yeah. But what they can do is buy an existing property. Is that right? They, they can. Can they do that? Yep. You can't alter 
what you're purchasing, yeah, essentially. Right, that's the key. That's the key. That's the key, yep. right, the altar. It's probably also important to note that there's actually not that many people out there, lenders, who will lend you the money right. to borrow in your super fund anymore. Right. So the big four banks, they don't offer it. Really? So it's actually, and because of the risk associated with it for the lenders, a lot of the banks have just canned it. Um, and those who do offer it, it's quite a high interest right. rate. Yeah. Yep. Interesting, because I find a lot of clients that, are looking to get into, especially business clients who got their business, let's hypothetically, no, a shed, a mechanic. He's got 300,000 in his super fund. He's paying $50,000 a year in rent. He's thinking, this is killing me, but I'm getting through. I could utilize, I could pay myself that year, but I can't, the bank, I can't borrow, but I got $300,000. Yeah. If I had $300,000 in savings, can I put them together? And can I buy a $900,000 shed and buy it? borrow or how can we do that? There's different ways you can structure it, certainly, with um, trusts that you can have super funds owning part and other entities owning part as well. Um, That's a very big conversation and a lot of planning going into that. It takes a long time, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And then you can obviously look at contributions into your super fund and maximising things as well when you've got money outside to to help that. Yeah, I I find I've sort of, my advice is to took my clients, go and talk to your accountant or go mm. and talk to a broker, whoever's specialised in it, yep. and see what you can go because it's untapped really how much you can you can utilise it because if they they can pay their $50,000 to themselves and they work for another 20 years in the business, they sell the business and they've got this shed or whatever that is their own asset and they can then rent it out themselves and they've owned it. So it's a big, big heads up. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else you could both, both share with me as far as uh, what do you come across the most as far as your clients when you come and talk tax time or what questions do you get the most, Brian, that from, a, from a client that rings you, especially business clients maybe? That Yeah, well, I was probably going to talk about uh, whether they're business clients or not. You quite often, people love subdividing yes, now these days. So they'll have, uh, they'll have their home and they'll subdivide the back block off or something like that. Mm and sell it and always be using that well it's part of my home so it's mm. no tax to pay capital yeah, gains tax point. free yeah. so you see those sort of things happen quite often and it's quite disappointing to have to deliver the news that there's a tax bill associated because it's just they can't understand that it's not my home so when you cut it off the back and there's nothing on there it is just a vacant bit of property yeah. so there's no there's no capital gains tax principal place of residence yes so it's those are the little things yeah. that you you run into quite often and unfortunately a lot of the time and I'm sure you experience this Adrian is that you're finding out after the fact and just the smallest amount of planning beforehand yeah would have changed the whole tax outcome altogether yeah. or put a plan in that kept a lot more of the money back in their yeah. pocket. Because yeah. when when we do those things, we, we've generally on-sold what we wanted to do with that money. Yes. So all the future plans start unravelling very quickly as well. Because I get that a lot. People also have to buy the back off, you know, and, and you know, and probably uh, elaborate more on what you just mentioned then, is the principal place to put your home, you know? Yes. They think it's not taxable, but when you get to that stage, it actually becomes a development site pretty much, and that's called business or, mm-hmm. is that what the ATO? Well, yeah, that's, once again, there's some thresholds you can step over that do take you into a business world. Yeah. And so therefore we're not even talking about capital gains anymore. Yeah. We're talking about normal income. 
And I suppose just on that, capital gains, when we have a capital gains, yeah. it ends up being added to our taxable income and yeah. taxed at whatever the marginal rate is. Mm. So that can push it up and down, but we do generally get that 50% discount, which means there's a lot that doesn't go there. Yeah. But once it's just income, it's just straight into your tax return, there's none of the discounting and it doesn't get those favourable concessions. Yeah. So it just causes a lot more tax to be paid. Yeah. But if we move into that business development, all of a sudden GST raises its head as well. Yeah. And more further complications come into it. So once again, it always still keeps coming back to you've got a great idea, your accountant is the best person to go and, and throw that one past mm -hmm. versus somebody at the barbecue that you've seen do a development at some stage. And that's the biggest problem we find. Like, like we're almost in the middle of everything. Where we, you know, they've finished the barbecue with their mate. They've told me this. I've got to, or they've gone for a Christmas break with their family. Someone's over the kitchen tables mentioned an idea. They've rang us up on the next day after Boxing Day. Not waiting. Can't wait any longer to... And I'll go, well, ring your accountant or ring your solicitor or whatever. So you get that You get that a lot. With um, with the GST uh, factor and, and how that infects, it impacts real estate, um, just go through that, Adrian, about how a property attracts GST and how it doesn't attract GST. And, and uh, if you're a business as well, how that impacts you know, businesses as well with their GST and their collections and, and so forth. So there's certain properties that can be sold as going concerns. Yep. Um, we've obviously got subdivisions yep. um, that are included in that. Um, there's different rules for every property, basically yeah. every yeah. type. Every You've got type. your agricultural land, you know, there's a different rule around that too. Um, all to do with GST. And a lot of it comes down to um, the contract, the purchase, the sale and what's happened in between with your GST registrations and so forth yeah. as well, um, which can impact things too. You might have recently had um, someone who was selling a property. They'd been registered for GST uh, the whole way through and all of a sudden the purchaser, they'd agreed on a price. And by the time that got to me, I said, well, you have to pay GST on this. Yeah. And the purchaser's not going to want to up it, their price 10% now because yes. you've already agreed on it. So, yeah. There's That's important, mm. that, that part of it, because they get to a contract to stage and they do agree to a price and, you know, they don't talk to their accountant or the solicitor. And this is the problem with not getting that advice before yeah. you do something. Um, yeah, you come up with a price of 300 for example, on a property and it does track GST and you go to contract stage, you hope for the solicitor, but the problem is you've lost a sale. Because mm. yep. I haven't marketed it. I mean, I tried to do my research before, yep. but you have a market exclusive GST. And and further that, is just stamp duty on the GST. So a purchaser's got a, a lot of people don't understand this, but it's not only stamp duty on the 300, for example, but the stamp duty on the 30 mm. grand, whatever. Um, but can they reclaim it back, the purchaser? If they had to play plus GST, only if they're registered. Only if they're registered. Yeah. So what's the? Yep. Tell me the the bond. <laughs> is it too late after you've purchased, Brian, <laughs> to register for GST? Well, no, it's not actually too late. Too late to register. You can backdate a registration. Yeah. Yep. But it's also got to be then meet the rules of you being able to claim the GST. Yes. It's got to be a uh, the correct acquisition type. So mm. that's not always the same for a mm. seller, a vendor, yeah. and a purchaser. So that's where once again it gets a little bit tricky. Yeah. It's the data determines it. And then sometimes they might want to claim that back 
but that then hurts the plans of what they wanted to do with that building. Yeah. So it's a double-edged sword sure. because sometimes the bird in the hand isn't as good as, you know, what you could get for it later on type thing. Touch it before, a going concern. A lot of a lot of people don't understand when I talk to them what a going concern is. I still get commercial clients go, what are you talking about? I've got to pay GST or whatever, and I've got a tenant in there, or there's a business running out of it. So just explain that, Adrian, what a going concern actually is. What, how is it identified by the tax office, I suppose, and how they see it? Every time I talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you yeah, grimacing, yep. <laughs> ringing about yep. it. Um, it. It's complicated, yeah. basically. So you, you do. I need to refresh on the rules before I go too far into it yeah. every time. Yeah, um, yeah. If you have a property that you're, that you're registered for GST and you're selling that um, as a business property and it's going to continue as a business property, then you can... Um, potentially tick the box on going concern and we don't need to worry about the GST side of things on yeah. that. Simply? Yeah, yeah no, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Trying to simplify it. Yeah, down, yeah you yeah. need to, yeah. yeah. But um, a lot of people don't get that part of it. Mm. Um, no, and it's the same for businesses, you know, yep. that kind of thing. Like it, it is, you, we always go back to pull the sheet out and it's like a checklist. Yep. Is there this? Is there yeah. this? Because it only takes one of those things to be missing yeah. and all of a sudden it's not a going concern. So yep. we tend to never go off our memories of what we think the rules are in yep. those spaces because yeah. it's just, yeah, the finger gets pointed back at us if it doesn't work out oh, the right way. So it, it is something that is important, especially when you talk about commercial properties and it's like, oh, it's great, it's got no one in there, it's vacant possession. Yeah. But all of a sudden, as you say, we're, we're spending all this money on stamp duty and we've got GST on the stamp duty yeah. now as well, which is lost money, yeah. essentially. So if we're agricultural land and say I've got a 20-acre orchard, is that a going concern if I sell that business? If you're selling it as an orchard, yeah, as an orchard. and it's going to continue as the orchard. Yeah. If you're selling it as an orchard, but it's going to continue, you know, they're buying it to develop it and subdivide yeah. it. Yeah, that's different. That's different. Yeah, so if I'm smart enough, I bought the orchard, I'd continue running for how long can I run it for? <laughs> I suppose how long a piece of string. <laughs> it, is a, it is a minefield, isn't it, really? Like, and yep. It sort of reinforces a little bit about, you know, if it's a minefield for you both, mm, how, can it, how, how can the person in the street get it? Like, yep. So it's really important to go back and talk to your accountant and oh, go, and yep. go for it. Can't stress that enough, Rocky, because at the end of the day, even a lot of what we do, uh, well, the ATO is taking lots of people to court over these things mm. all the time, and they probably only get it right half the time and get it wrong half the time. So yeah. the rules constantly change every time a new court ruling comes yeah. out, and it's just wow. that's the big thing, isn't it? Yeah. You mate at the barbecue might have done something five years ago, but there's been ten court cases since, and the rules have changed now. Yeah, yeah. and that's a precedent. The people yeah. don't realise that the court mm. case and the judge's understanding of it. Mm. Yeah, and obviously politics and, you know, that changes and different governments change yep. and, and it's really important to, um, to get your head around it, hence why you've got to ring your, your account to find out. <laughs> Adrian, what else do you come across mostly that uh, you, you think, oh, I wish, you know, people knew more about this instead of, you know, ringing me all the time or... Uh, or you come across it's a common problem, I suppose, probably the better way of putting it. Yeah, you know? it's probably more um, superannuation funds investing yeah. in property, yeah. just understanding the rules around that, that it can be a really great tool, really great investment vehicle. Um, super funds, you know, the maximum tax at the moment is 15%, and if you're in a pension phase, then it could be 0%. So yeah, okay. Those capital gains tax implications may not actually apply to you, all those types yeah. of things. But a lot of people purchase it thinking this is great, but they don't realise that the rules around super fund properties is that 
you have to pay market rent. You've got to get regular valuations. You have to pay the full amount of rent on time as though you were leasing it to someone else or leasing it from someone else. Um, that's probably... And why is that? Because that's important. Um, why, you know, I'm buying my um, premises to work out of yep. or whatever. Why is it important? Why can't I just give myself a discount? Yeah, why can't we... I just pay 15000 instead of 30000 a year? Yep. So the end rule for superannuation yes. is that is there for your retirement. So it is there to provide for your retirement. Yeah. It's not there to provide for your business right now. Yes. It's there to provide for your retirement. So it's yeah. a, it's all about getting money in it and making sure that your growth and your income, your return, um, is there for the retirement rather yeah. than not trying to rip yourself here and now. Stop you from ripping yourself yeah. off in your future. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest way to think about it, Rocky, is it is two separate people. Yes. And. Um, you think about it, if I'm not getting paid and it was somebody else in there, wouldn't I be chasing him for yeah, that money? Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what you yeah. should be doing for yeah. yourself. No mm. discounts. And that's why we do have all these laws, is to protect, I suppose, the integrity of the superannuation system to make sure not too much discounting and everything yep. else goes on. Yeah. And it's so the volumes of rules that just keep adding up Change. each year in that space makes it harder and harder. But yeah. it is very difficult because you can go through tough times in your business and you are the landlord and my business is going down you know not going very well um can't i just skip rent for the month or what about another month yeah that kind of thing so yeah. that's where it, it can so be how do you have sad. a negotiation with yourself <laughs> listen landlord i'm in trouble how does the tax office see that they don't they don't they're not sympathetic as if you're renting your own from a different landlord no, they just look at it the same way to say, well, what should the super fund be doing as a landlord mm. to recover that money? And they, they would go all the way to, is it, are we trying to evict the tenant? Yeah. Are we trying to get them out of there? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So you almost have to evict yourself. Absolutely. As though you were someone else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, renting a property from you. And, yeah. and we have an auditor come in at the end of yeah. the year yeah. to ensure that we're doing these things. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. if we're not, then it's reported back to the ATO. There's fines and penalties. So all the things where you don't want them coming, knocking on your door. So yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she's pretty strict, which is a good thing. I mean, you know, you could take the, the mickey out of it and all of a sudden you're in all sorts of trouble and everyone can be. Yeah. Just on that, with um, with the super funds, and we noticed it's coming um, with your super funds, how do you find that um, with the government changing their rules just recently or announcing the next election potentially if they come in the, the, the three million dollar um threshold if that's you know the tax tax brackets and that how do you find that's going to impact it how do you how do you feel that's going to go in the future if that comes off and i got the feeling that reading it's not as simple as what it's made out to be it's a bit more complicated am i wrong or all right <laughs> Definitely You're right correct. on any, that. Any change in yep. super is a lot more complicated yeah. than we ever read into it. Yeah, so the, the feeling I'm getting is the common person on the street's going, oh, you know, I haven't got $3 million, doesn't worry me. Um, bugger the person who's got, you know, $300 million, or $3 million, and then they've got that. $300 million would be a problem, but <laughs> someone $758 million, no one has to pay, but I don't know how they got that. But exactly. Whatever it was, but, but they got $3 million, oh, they, they can do it. But it's not as simple as... As that, I, I'm here, and, it, and it's going to be more complicated. I mean, I don't know if you can get your head around it, but 
you got is it true you've got to come up with the stuff with the rules you've got to come up with the cash every year if you property no at the moment that's what the ruling is suggesting how that is actually going to come into place and how they're going to do that i'm not sure because it's, it's, it's not on realized yeah. profit it's actually on growth in the market yeah yeah so we're Still we're waiting gonna... for a lot for that yeah. to come out. Well, I understand. It. This is just a conversation we're having mm. now, so it's, we don't know. But let me say, a farmer's bought a property in their super fund for a hundred thousand, and they're going to do valuations. And if it's worth now three and a half million, and he's thinking he's sitting there worth at one million, and it's actually three and a half million, he's got to pay thirty percent on that five hundred. Potentially, is that right? And that's one hundred and fifty thousand. He's got to come up each year. We'll go with your data, but yeah, they're talking about if we do yeah. the real unrealised, then yes, there's a tax bill that's going to be there. And he's got to come up with that money every year. Way um, I understand it is, you'd only come up with the money on the growth every year. On the growth. So you realise it to a certain value, and then next year it starts at that value and goes oh, up to right. whatever the next valuation is. But yeah, because almost yeah. makes it not worth owning a property because you're paying it off. You actually. Makes it negative, really, yeah. doesn't it? Well, it's, it off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really ugly one, that one, and I'm mm. not sure whether it's just one of their claims that is right out there on the spectrum so that any other changes they make don't look so bad. Yeah, they're just a bad yeah. So yeah. And at the end of the day, they're looking for that, uh, what's taken 20, 25 years, they're getting closer to trying to find this middle gap of saying, we want you to have this much, but we don't want you to have too much more than that. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, we want people to be able to look after themselves in retirement versus being on the on the government system. Not tax grab, please. No, that's you not, the, that's not the, the words reason. I would use there. <laughs> no, really. right, it's just, not it's really a, yes. diving in yeah. the budget, is I right? <laughs> but no, it is, it is interesting a lot of these major changes do happen when uh, the budget is under a lot of pressure. Yes, so, you know. and it's not there for our benefit, I don't think. Um, Windfall tax. <laughs> We've got some dramas coming up with this windfall tax, I can tell you. Not many people understand that, but a lot of developers are get got a head around it, and even then they still haven't got their head around it with the rules. And Have you got your head around it? <laughs> Look, I actually That's just... On, I yeah. looked this one up this morning. You thought I'd bring it up? Because <laughs> I thought, well, this, this is one of those big sleepers, and I haven't followed it for some time. Yes. Because uh, they have been talking about this for a long, long time, and yeah. it's just been put off for year after year. But my understanding is 1st of July 2023, it does come into play. Right. Um, and it is that part of really, in the simple format, same thing. If the, your land gets rezoned, let's say, let's call it farming land, and it was $1 million and it's now worth $5 because it got rezoned to be able to go into housing blocks, then there's a $4 million windfall gain of which the government's saying, well, you should be contributing back to the government coffers for that, to the community, that kind of thing. And I think the latest numbers around that is, yeah, so 50% of that, that four million, so a two million gain, and they'd want 50% of that. That sounds, what was, that's... Was it about that? Yep, my yeah. understanding. So yeah. two actually, million or one million? No, <coughs> they'd want 50% of the total gain. The so total they'd gain. they want two million yeah. in tax, yes. and you can keep the other two. Mm. Um, but they're not making you pay for it straight away. You can elect to defer that until such time as you start selling those properties. But the thing I didn't read previously is they will be charging you interest on the way through on that. That's the problem. And that's the problem. So, so what if I own that land, Adrian, and it's, it's revalued and resigned, and I don't want to develop it, I want to farm it. How does that impact it? Or does it? Um, 
think it comes back to what you're actually using it for again. Is that right? As opposed to, I think you would have to go through a process of proving that though, yeah, I believe. Yeah, right. So there's a bit of work. Yeah, yeah. Not as straightforward as just saying I'm going to farm it. It's There's proof that needs to come into that that you'll have to provide mm. and get an exemption from it. And, it, for and it. it. and it's pretty tricky, Rocky. Mm. Once again, the rules, and they'll be, mm. once they bring this in, the amount of rules that happen out of uh, a lot of um, discussions sense. and arguments and things. Yeah. Yeah. But in that sort of case, that five million example, you might want it actually to be classified and have that windfall tax. Um, gain or issue because you might farm it for the next 10 or 15 years and then do something about actually I'm going to now develop this well there's no extra windfall gain tax because that happened back at the rezoning time type Mm. thing so it's only at the rezoning time yeah so whilst you lost 2 million in another 10 years time and it's worth 20 million Mm. yeah the the rezoning coming forward might have actually been a a benefit for you not sure what the interest bill would look like at that time it's pretty expensive (laughs) if it happens to wait that time but um it's still for the the way i see it it actually um impacts the developer not so much the land land flipper if that can sort of say that people buy the land sit on it and then flip it in two years time make some money on it because i think they'll be relatively stopping the market is not going to make much money but the developer that buys it it's it's direct almost directed at that which shouldn't be but the developer buys a land that that five million dollar property it's only worth they bought it for two whatever that they're going to pass it onto the buyer the buyer that buys a block of land they're not going to wear the cost it's going to come across the line yep on top of that the way i see it also is going to be less land to be developed because not many investors going to go out there to do it and hold this is, what the common person doesn't understand is the holding costs of holding these stuff and, and that it's just not going to work if it doesn't. So I just think prices are only going to go up no matter how bad the economy gets. It's the blocks of land are going to go up, which is going to affect the building trade. I mean, there's a lot of connotations and so forth, but am I right or wrong or, I, I, or I tend your opinion? To, I tend to agree that the, the costs overall will go up um, because they will want to try and recover some of it at least because mm. with any of these projects there's a risk evaluation that's done at the start yeah. and if they can't get the right return as a bottom line why would we take the risk of going into this yeah so when a tax will be factored into it to try and make sure that there's enough there's enough in it because a lot of these developments take a long time so they're at the mercy of the economy yeah so yeah, often right. mm. yeah i think the other thing is you regularly see um, properties that are sold with the subdivision or sorry with the um, rezoning already done yes that's not going to happen anymore is it yeah. if you if you're going through the hassle of rezoning you want to get some benefit from yeah you're going to hold off yeah but then there is another aspect of it when the councils local councils will rezone land mm. regardless of whether yeah you want to or not yep which is what you said before yeah, absolutely. Um, it's forced upon you forced, forced upon, upon you. you then you've got to prove that's where you, the extra stuff is in you've got to spend money to prove that you're not actually um, developing but you've got to pay interest or to work out the big picture plan yeah. what is the plan yeah. which is that can be some really tricky conversations in yeah. families especially with um farming families yeah. where it's it Mum and dad are asking the kids, what's the plan? And sometimes the grandparents are asking the grandchildren, yeah. what's your plan? And, yeah, it opens up a big can of worms. Yeah. With I suppose one thing today we've worked out is talk to your accountant <laughs> before you do anything. Most definitely, Rocky, yeah. most definitely. With, yeah. uh, it all revolves back around data and where you want to go to yeah. and what that looks like. Mm. Yeah. And it's it seems so simple, but it's just one of those things that's not... 
the world seems like it's getting more complicated as we get, get absolutely get and I think fixed. Brian you mentioned earlier it's about it's not just about the now planning it's about the future yeah. as well it's not just how we're going to do that so that it benefits you now in the best way but if we do that now how does that end up in 10 15 20 years time for which you? is hard yep because how do you know <laughs> things change but Anyway. Yep. And that's the unfortunate thing about a lot of the planning that goes on, Rocky, is we can plan as best as we can, but unfortunate events, a death, yep. those sorts of things. And especially when we talk about, say, self-managed super funds and mm-hmm. you've got that that bit of real estate in there and mm-hmm. it was one big lumpy asset. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of liquidity issues and everything else comes into play. So sometimes your best laid-out plans can sort of fall apart right at the end. Yeah. So, yeah, the, it's, it's a constant keep evolving and evaluating the plans and make sure everything's going yeah. correctly. Which is why the advice to start is the best. Yes. <laughs> and, and property's one of those things. Yes. It's, some people look at it from the point of view of it's an investment, so I look at it as dollars and cents. Yeah. Others just fall in love with the property yeah. and have all these great ideas. So yeah. dollars and cents don't really matter. So yeah, you've got to you've got to be able to cater for all the sides and mm. still try and get to the, the right solution at the end yeah. of the day. Ah, very good. That was a really great session today. I think that was very informative. I think you... I'd like to thank you both for appearing today and uh, really that was really good. So if you're out there and you got an account question, please call Brian and Adrian. Uh, make sure you get your, your facts right before you actually commit to your next real estate transaction. Thanks for joining us and we'll chat soon. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss upcoming episodes. We would love you to share this podcast with your network and if you have any questions or feedback, please connect with us via our social network or head to gagliardiscott.com.au.